0: You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. I was sharing this week to our staff and some of the volunteers um, as Paul's closing off his letter to the church in Titus, or church in Titus, to Titus, uh, writing to pastors, Timothy and Titus. Um, as he's closing off that letter to young Titus, he is... Um, reminding him of a couple of things. And one of the things he's reminding him of as a young pastor. He's like, now, now make sure our people here, they're, they're, they're learning how to maintain good works. Make sure they learn that. That's important. So the ongoing work of God, that's the good work. And if you look at the emphasis of the pastoral epistles, specifically Titus, it's on character the character of those that are going to lead the body of Christ. And it, it, it basically talks about what that Christ-like character looks like, what that looks like in the church. And to a church that is, is developing Christ-like character, they're going to do the good work of Christ. They're going to maintain that, but it's something we've got to learn. And so I said to you know, our group earlier this week, I'm like, man, it's been such an awesome experience to watch our church pivot since the beginning or middle of March and just, okay, Lord, pray for vision, pray for wisdom, pray for favor, pray for health, and to watch God just give us so many unique opportunities to do His work. And so we've done that well. We've maintained, we've learned to maintain the work of God unto the glory of God. But then he says, and also help them understand that they've got to meet urgent needs. And so over the years, for almost 30 years now, as from a Bible study to a church, we've just had a burden when God puts something on our heart and something large has happened. We just, hey, let's get together, let's send some funds, let's send some people, let's rally some churches together. And we've been doing that over the years, and you guys have been very faithful uh, with that. So just pray. It's interesting times, less people traveling and all of that. So we're not sure how it's all gonna. Uh, materialize, but uh, we'll probably know more um, later on in this week. Well, let's turn our Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, we are going through uh, this chapter on faith. And if you're new around here, um, let me summarize why we are going through a chapter on faith. We're going on through a chapter on faith because I believe... um, we as a church right now need to address the topics of our day. And I believe with the pandemic and with lawlessness that faith is under attack. I believe that just like this audience that the writer of Hebrews is writing to, their faith was under attack. It was beginning to falter. I believe many Christians would say that has been the case um, in 2020 with them and their faith. And so, how does God approach dealing with that? Well, you go through the, the, the book of Hebrews, and the whole book really is speaking to their issue. And their issue was, they were converted Jews. And, and, and their circumstances different than ours, but the circumstances by design, as the enemy would use circumstances in our life, is always to just pull us away from Christ, turn us away from Him, turn us away from the walk that we have with Him, the faith that we place in Him. Just, just, just uproot us. Just pull us away from Jesus. From the person of Christ. And, and in their day and age, it was, it was Roman persecution. It was opposition from their loved ones. It was whatever it was, there was a great temptation to go back to what He, Jesus, had freed them from. And so over and over, for ten chapters, the writer of Hebrews is like talking up Jesus. He's superior to anything you would run back to. And then in chapter 11, he really breaks it down. He begins to talk about faith. And so we define this idea, faith here. We say it a lot. Our faith is, is only as good as that in which it's placed. So when you came here this morning... You might say, "Well, I'm a Christian, and, and I believe I'm going to heaven. I've put my faith in Jesus, and 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 he's my savior." All right. In this season, how much is he your Lord? How much is he your your go-to throughout the day? How much is he the one you hear and heed? And, our, and you look back on this year if the Lord tarries a couple of years from now, and you're going to either say fear grew and gripped your life and affected your faith in an adverse way, or you're going to say, no, 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 I, I really did turn to Jesus, and my faith in Him grew, and, and fear was dispelled throughout the year in a greater way. But as we walk into this room, you know, I, I, have, I have this little punch list I go down when I... I come to church. It's my own little personal thing. I had to do it because I had a hard time paying attention in my junior high and high school years. And so I used to, maybe someone taught me this, but I used to just walk in the room like this and go, why are you here? I just do it. Even, even now when I'm sitting, I'm like, I just go through this little roll call thing and, okay, why are you here? And I think through it. And sometimes I even kind of look at myself, like my arms and my hands. I'm like, why are you here? Here, I do this almost every time I walk into a worship setting, whether I'm teaching or sitting like you. And then I, and then I think, okay, I, I'm supposed to be here for him. And personally, i got to get past a lot to, to just make it about him. I just do. i got to get past you and what you think about me and my performance. and oh, i got to get past all that weird pride, fleshy stuff. i got to get past that. When I was in junior high and high school, I had to get past me, how cool I was, how rad my hair looked, how just the girls around the room, I had to get past all of that stuff. I had to get past puka shells. But what what, what I was doing is I've got faith. And where am I placing my faith? How disciplined am I? to seek Him, to pursue Him. To draw an eye unto God, He will draw an eye unto me. The Lord says, seek me with all of your face. You see, when I walk into this room, as it relates to Jesus, it's like, Lance, I want you and me, I just, I just want it to be all about me. And when we worship Him, We start singing. I'm like, I just get undone when I get. I I can only get so close because I got to come up here and talk. But I just, when my heart is right, I'm all ears. I'm 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 surrendered. we we are now coming to in this wonderful chapter on faith, where the writer of Hebrews is going to give us. 17 examples of Old Testament patriarchs who just displayed persevering faith. That's what they did. They displayed persevering faith. And and, and before he gives the examples of these 17 patriarchs that disciplined or displayed uh, persevering faith, he defines faith. And it's a, it's a little bit of a tongue, you know, like, you're okay, in verse 1, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, I, I first taught that a few weeks ago, and I'm like, okay, that's a challenging scripture to unpack, but basically we'll say it over and over and over. And for you note-takers, it's this simple. Faith. Not just faith in anything, faith in Jesus, because that's who he's been talking about for 10 chapters. Faith is living in absolute confidence that what God said He will do even before He pulls it off, even before the promise that He made you is fulfilled. It's living in confidence. God says it, He's going to do it, and I'm, I'm moving that direction because of that. And so we started with like, you know, the examples of faith of Abel and Enoch and Noah and, and Abraham. And Then we got to Moses. And now we're going to come to Joshua and a lady by the name of Rahab, who was a harlot in the city of Jericho. And, and when we come to that passage, which is detailed for you note takers in, Gen- in Joshua chapter 1 through 6, we're coming to that point in time where God is like, I'm giving you exa- an example, a really cool example. Of when I led my people into the promised land. Now, I want to back up and give us a little bit of background so that the faith of these people and that the faith of Joshua and the the, the faith of Rahab actually is like, wow, that's crazy faith. Here's the background. You see, the account we have is in verse 30 and 31, which basically doesn't give the background. It just goes right to the event of when the nation of Israel is like in the land and they come to the first fortified city that they need to conquer and that is, of course, Jericho. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Now, I prepared this whole Bible study. I've got this whole Bible study on those two verses. And I came out here the first study. And somewhere around, I don't know, yesterday afternoon, the Lord gives me like, hey, give a little background, a little bit of introduction to this. Well, I gave the intro. And when I was done giving the intro, I had spoke for 55 minutes. And I went, well, okay, we'll teach that study Next week. So you're getting my intro this morning as well. I I just think it's fair. Here they are, the nation of Israel. They're they're, they're about to go in, but before they they go in, we, we go back and we think about Moses and how God used him to lead them out of Egypt. They're in bondage, the book of Exodus to Egypt and Pharaoh for 400 plus years. God raises up Moses. We went through his life as an illustration of persevering faith as well. And and he brings them out. And if you were traveling with that group of two and a half million Hebrews and you left the border of Egypt and you, you don't do it now, but you turn to your Bible map and you're like, where's the closest line that I could draw to Canaan, the promised land that God had given them? You would, you would go, well, that's about, by foot, they would say, about an 11-day journey problem. These people had issues with their faith. If I asked you, do you have issues with your faith, and you were honest, you'd raise your hand. Do you have lapses in your faith? You'd raise your hand. Do you falter in your faith? You'd raise your hand. When they, when they, they, they leave the promised land last Wednesday night, we actually went to Exodus chapter 19 and we moved forward. They, they had the Red Sea crossing. God did that miracle, that sign. God brought water from a rock. He turned the bitter waters of Mara sweet for them. He provided some manna for them. And then you have this account where they're like, they, they, they're, it says, and in the third month, it was three months after they had been out, They, they now they now come up to... This mountain, And it's a mountain that God had told Moses he would one day worship him at when Moses was at the burning bush. It's Mount Sinai. Chapter 20, God's going to give him the law on Mount Sinai. And in that little, little pit stop, God calls Moses up to the mountain and he says, I, I want you to say this to my people. Church, this is important to understand. Because God taking the nation of Israel into Canaan out of Egypt was not just, let's just have a, you know, just a a geographical relocating of these people because the climate is so much better over here than here. Oh, well, they were enslaved and now they'll be free. No, 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 no. There was like God's plan of redemption tied to this. This was huge. Huge. And so who they would be in the land, God would need to define that. And the purpose of their being in the land, well, that would, that would come with time. But before they would even hear the law and how they would live out in the land, Exodus 20 through the latter part of the book of Exodus, in chapter 19, they camp out there. Moses goes up on the mount. These people that are about to go in, this is 40 years earlier, and they're sitting there at the mountain. Moses goes up. And God says, tell them this. Just break this down. Remind them that I I delivered them, that it was me out of Egypt. And um, I I want you to say it this way. Tell them, remember how I bore you on eagles' wings. Just like a, a, a mother eagle would take care of her young. Provide for them and protect them and deliver them. And keep them, you know, free from any prey. Just remember how I delivered them on eagle's wings. But then he says this. And brought them to myself. That is just such a heavy verse. And just just tell them that. It's all about me bringing them into myself. Now, if they'll hear my voice and they'll obey me. And obey my commands that I'm about to give them. Just let them know they're going to be a special treasure to me. Out of all of God's creation, His people are His prized possession. Those that obey Him and follow Him. And, and they're going to be a kingdom of priests and a, and a holy nation. Let me read this in the New International Version. Tell them. My plan is an exclusive plan. Out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession Although the whole earth is mine, listen. You will be for me. You will be for me, and I said, I, I encourage you to all, all again listen to that study. But you're for something today. You're for something. When people describe you, and they're like, you know, such and you know, Lance Cook, that guy, you know, you know, they, they they're describing you to another person. They oftentimes define you in terms of what you're about, what you're for. We're for something today. But I've, I've saved you. Egypt is a type of the world. It's a picture of the world. I've, I've liberated you from the world. Pharaoh's a type of Satan. Freed you from Satan. Why? So you would be about me. For me. Jim Simbala, or symbola who pastors Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York. I read this quote. I'm going to read it again because it sets up where we're going. Speaking about our day and time, a recent quote. Many Christians are losing their testimony, their love, their peace, their joy because they're fighting the wrong battle at the wrong time with the wrong army. They're fighting culture wars instead of fighting for Jesus and for the gospel. Now, it's interesting because these people that are about to go in, they have a, a, a bit of a, a checkered past. Forty years earlier, following this Mount Sinai rap with God, God would give Moses the Ten Commandments, Right after he says, hey, let them know it's all about me and them. They will be my treasure people if they obey and live out what I command. Okay, now move towards the promised land. They come to the border, a place called Kadesh Barnea. And as they're there, Moses is there and, 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 and he sends in 12 spies. And they go in for 40 days. And they come back. And Joshua and Caleb, Joshua, who 40 years later is the one that's going to take them in, he's one of those spies. And and he and Caleb come back, and they've got this crazy report, like, you're not going to believe the fruit in this place. It is everything that God said. So faith is believing. It's living, excuse me, in absolute confidence that what God said he will do. So they come back and say, this is the land that God promised us, and he's going to give it to us. Two and a half million people hear this. It reverberates through the camp. The other ten spies go, "Ah, uh not so fast, not so fast. We also saw fortified cities. The first that they will face will be Jericho. And, 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 and we also saw these giant men. We were like grasshoppers in front of them. How many of you guys know that it can just take a couple of naysayers to sink a ship? It just takes a couple of negative people doubting God, questioning God, and all of a sudden other people's faith begin to be rocked by what they say. How so? The people began to murmur against Moses and his brother Aaron. And, and so shattered was their faith, listen, in what God said was theirs. That God was like, you're not going in. The people doubted God and because of their lapse of faith for the next 40 years. Listen to this. They were affected by that lapse of faith. For the next 40 years, they would stay in the wilderness, not go into... Listen, the promised land of Canaan, it's, it speaks of the center of God's will for His people. fact is, there's a, there's a word... In Hebrew called Nabal. And it speaks of that. N- nabal. We, we get our, our word navel from the word Nabal. And, and from navel is, is life. And what God was wanting them to know is, listen, you're not going to figure all this out. But life, spiritual life and eternal life is going to birth from this land. But you've got to get there. You're, you're parked It takes faith, you see. From that land will come a Messiah. And from that Messiah is going to be the Savior, salvation for the world. But you've got to do your part. And you've got to step out in faith. But their faith was rocked. And for 40 years, they they would wander in the wilderness, which is kind of like a picture of the life of carnality, following the flesh, believing your flesh, and not following by faith the Word of God. And for 40 years, they would wander in that wilderness. And everybody from 20 years older, old and up would die in the wilderness. It's a giant funeral march. Now you move forward 40 years. And they, they once again are, are at that place. And the beginning of the book of Joshua, Joshua is the one that's going to take them in, begins with this whole... Now, 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 now Joshua... Uh, I, I, I want you to know Moses is dead. You know that. And, and, and you're going to have to arise and go over Jordan, to Jordan with all of these people. And I love this. To a land which I am giving them. And he says this. You that are like, Thinking real hard about being in the center of God's will yourself and moving that way. You and this people, you're going to go to the land which I'm giving you, the children of Israel, and every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Then he gives the geographical boundaries of the land. And if you were to look at this from the Euphrates, All the way to the Hittites to the great sea toward the the, the downing of the sun shall be your territory. It's It's a massive amount of land compared to the little sliver of land that makes up the geographical boundaries of Israel today. That's one of the Bible study. But no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What a promise. As I was with Moses... I will be with you. Think of how God was with Moses. Man, we go go back to the water from the rock. We go back to the Red Sea. We go back to the ten plagues, the liberation of the nation. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers. All the way back to Abraham. And again he says, Only be strong, and this time very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Listen. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Listen, saints. I, I believe you're here because, perfectly, because of Jesus. I believe you're here to hear from Him. To let Him be your Lord. To s- receive direction from Him. To c- receive direction from, from His Word. And there's a real enemy that... that, that That knows that. His name's Satan and his demonic hosts are real and they work within the realm of principalities and powers and rulers of darkness this present age. And and the enemy does does not want us to seek Jesus, to encounter him or, or definitely hear from him or follow direction from him. So the enemy is doing everything he can through a A godless world. In Ephesians chapter 2, he is the prince of the power of the air who works in the sons of disobedience. And the enemy is speaking loud these days, trying to get us to turn to the left or turn to the right, away from God, away from his counsel, away from the truth of his word, and buy into the narratives of our day, which are designed to grip us with fear and turn us from God. And he's like, no, 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 no. You want to be in a center of God's will? You want to head that way? No, no, no. you got to be strong. you got to be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't turn from the right. Don't turn from the left. And then you're going to prosper wherever you go. Then he says in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. you got to meditate on it day and night. So that you may observe according to do all that is written in it. Then you're going to be prosperous. Then you're going to have good success. As I'm getting older, I'm finding that I'm becoming forgetful in certain areas. And, and, and I find myself, my scripture recall is not as Deep. And I find that when I'm trying to repeat a scripture or use it as a reference in a conversation, if I don't quite grasp it, I make it a point to just go back and marinate myself in that passage again. It's just what I'm doing. More than ever, in order for us to... and a successful life, in biblical terms, is a life that lines up with God's Word. More than ever throughout the day. This needs to be our go-to. It just does. For any of you that are visiting us or, or you're listening to us online and you're coming from churches that don't teach the Bible, this might even be a stretch to you. This might be like, like read my Bible every day. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Read my Bible like more than once a day? God is looking for a relationship with these people. These aren't rules and regulations. What if I you know, married Lori and in my counseling, the counselor says, you make sure you talk to that girl like every morning you have a devo with her. Don't you ever stop your devos. Every morning I get up to Lori and I show her my devotion. I go through the ritual. I have one conversation with her and that's it. That would be a relationship that would no longer be. You know that. But we have this ongoing talk. Ongoing dialogue. It's a relationship where I'm showing my devotion to her. She's showing her devotion to me. And this is what God is, is desiring. He, he pulled us out of Egypt to be His now when you're going like, to like go in, it's like, hey, this is how we're going to keep it going between me and you. This is where you're going to find my idea of success. This is how you're not going to get pulled to the left or pulled to the right. This is how you're not going to become defeated or faint-hearted or faithless. Keep talking to me. Keep reading my word. Be strong, he says, The latter part of verse 9 again, the third time. And of good courage, do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Faith is living in absolute confidence. What God said, he's just going to do it. Even before the fullness of the promise has yet to be seen chapter 1, verse 10, Joshua commands the officers of the people, he says, pass through the camp. Tell them to start preparing provisions for themselves because in three days, we are going over the Jordan River which the Lord our God is giving us to possess. And how... How we need more and more Christians to have this kind of spiritual swag, this confidence with God, to speak representing the heart of God, the word of God, because they're completely consumed by the heart of God and the word of God. And then there's there's the tribe of of Reuben and the tribe of Gad. There's 12 tribes. And then Manasseh broke into two tribes. So the half-tribe of Manasseh. And, and, and the Gadites and the Reubenites and half the tribe of Manasseh, they had got together and they're like, we like it on this side of the Jordan. Yeah, we've been saved. Yeah, we've been liberated. Yeah, we're following God, but we're only going to go so far. That's who they represent today in the body of Christ. In the center of God's will, that's so overcommitment. That's so like radical. We've got to cross the Jordan River. <laughs> we like it over here. Man, this is, this is just where we like it. And so in verse 12 through 18 of Joshua chapter 1, Joshua t- talks to the leaders of Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh. And he's like, hey, here's the deal. I know you got this little deal with Moses and all, but it's cool that you guys, if you want to live here, God's not going to force you to live there. But he wants you to help us conquer the land. He, 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 wants you to, he, he wants you to go with us over there. And, and each time I've taught this passage, I've brought out the grace of God and the mercy of God in this. A lot of guys teach it and they, they, they highlight the compromise, which there is compromise. But you see, I see God working through Joshua, coming to those that say, I only want to go so far and going, oh yeah, that's cool, but hey, you're going to have to do this part. And what they would see would be God doing supernatural things that they wouldn't see otherwise. And I encourage people all the time that they're saved and they're starting to walk with the Lord. I encourage them, let God start using you. You really want to see your faith grow? You, I mean, really grow? Like, blow your mind grow? <laughs> Let God start using you. I didn't figure this out until I was, by 27. I had little spurts before that. But, I, I well, I was 20, 25. I was, I was in Hawaii, living in Hawaii, and in the, the dots all connected in Hawaii, and, and I came back fully surrendered. But there's something about you know, that front row seat, you know, God's using you. You're seeing him do something that otherwise you just would not see. That's what God was saying to that group of people. And so they said, all right, you're in. We'll, we'll go. We'll, we'll do this. Now they, they come to the border again. It's 40 years after they come to the border and fail because of a lapse of faith, here they are again. And now Joshua is going to send in two spies. And they're going to go in, and the first thing they're going to see as you go through like chapter 5 is, is a fortified city. Something that these slaved Hebrews, they were slaves of Egypt, really had never seen before. And, and, and in these cities, all throughout the promised land were these the different ites. They had cities, which would be like states, and they had kings. And each of these people groups weren't really large. Ai, we know, was just a little bit smaller than Jericho, and it had about 12,000 inhabitants. Jericho, through its excavations, it's known to have been at most eight acres of space it had two massive walls 15 feet apart, and it was like impenetrable. So these guys, they 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 like they like go in and they 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 survey the the land and then they're gonna they're gonna meet Rahab the harlot, which is in the latter part of our study, which we'll get to next week. But and and then and then They're going to come back, gather the people, cross the Jordan, enter the land, and find victory over the city of Jericho. The writer of Hebrew first focuses on the defeat of Jericho. But of course, before they go and defeat Jericho, they've got to come into the land. And in Joshua chapter 3... Verses 10 through 13. They come to the Jordan rivers. It's harvest time. The Jordan rivers are swelling over on either side. And God, He speaks to Joshua. And Joshua, He calls the people together. And He says, This is what the Lord is saying. By this you shall know that the living God is among you. Let that resonate in your ears for a second, in your heart and your mind. By this, what you're about to see, you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you and he just lists their enemies. Let me rephrase this. Calvary La Haber, or are you people visiting or watching online? There's some real opposition that will face you. There's a real enemy about you. There's some real conquering that's going to be needed by you. But in order for you to conquer, in order for you to have victory over the enemy, in order for you to find yourself at the center of God's will, that will be oppressed. It will be opposed, it will be challenged. You need to know that God is among you. And just so you know that He is among you, He's going to do something supernatural with you. Behold, the ark of the covenant, the Lord, I like the way he says this, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all of the earth. Today, he is the Lord of Portland, Oregon. He is the Lord of Seattle, Washington. You follow me? He is the Lord of all of the earth. Can I have one amen? Okay. He's the Lord of all of the earth. Is crossing over before you into the Jordan... Now, therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all of the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, behold, the waters of, of the Jordan River shall be cut off that come from upstream they shall stand in a heap. Now, 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 this takes some faith. You know, this is like, uh, okay, <laughs> I'm going to go stand in front of all of these people. It's, it, the, the, this river that we've got to cross is absolutely moving. It's swelling over. And I am, I am going to tell them that they're going to cross over this, this river... But the priests and the Levites, you see, they've got to take the lead. They've got to bear up the ark. And they've they've got to, like, put their feet in the water first. And, And then when they do that by faith, upstream, way upstream, in the land of Adam, they call it, that the waters are just going to stand up. They're going to stop. You're going to have to tell them that. Now, there is no way you as a a man, a leader, are ever going to stand in in front of those people and and say, hey, listen, let's go. Pack your stuff. All right, you got to pack? All right, now here's the deal. This is what God's saying. The priests, the Levites, they're going in first, carrying the ark. The water's going to stop. We're all going to walk across... on on dry ground. You're not going to say that unless you really believe that. Faith is living in confidence that what God said he will do even before it actually happens. This was a man of faith. The priest who picked up the ark said, let's go, men of faith. Men that are called to lead God's people. How many faithful men are standing up in marriages and in families today saying to their wives, saying to their kids, let's go, man. God has given me fresh vision in this season, fresh revelation in this season. He's been speaking to me through His Word. And and this is the direction that he has given for our family. Let's go. How many pastors are actually seeking God for vision on behalf of their people to the point where they'll be creative and bold enough to stand in front of their people through a pandemic at a time when the government's like saying otherwise and and health issues might even be challenging otherwise. But they're like, no, God has put something in our heart. We can't not lead the people. I'm picking up the ark, which represents the presence of God, and here we go. And how many of them are like, no, 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 that pandemic thing's way too big. We'll get back to doing the church thing and being the church thing in 2021, sometime after the next flu thing comes around. God help us. Well, those. Those priests, they picked up the ark. The water stopped. What would that sound like amongst two and a half million people? You think they did like a Calvary Chapel, La Habra, 10% applause thing? No, 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 no. I I guarantee you there was some hooting. I'll bet you there's some people who didn't know what it was to be Pentecostal that became Pentecostal. I'll bet you there were tears. I'll bet you there were some parents holding up their kids, some dads putting their kids on their shoulders saying, check out what our God has just done. I guarantee you there was no people ashamed, no people hiding in a closet, there were no people hiding behind some sort of weird, oh, I don't know. They walked across. Thank God for the faith of the, the leadership of those people in that time. Next, they would get to a city by the name of Gilgal. I love, you know, a couple, I don't know, last year, I get all my Israel trips mixed up, but we were going through the book of Joshua with all of our men that year. And we were, at, we had a couple tour buses and we were, we were coming from up north down south along the Jordan River. And, and, and I said to you all our guide, in the track, like, hey, stop, stop, stop. And they're like, what? I, I, I just saw like, the Jericho sign, and uh, big deal, it's Jericho. No, 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 we're taking our guys through this. We pulled over on this knoll, and, and, and I said to the guys in the Bible, how many of you guys are following our men's studies? The job. Oh, you know. I said, hey, see over there, the Dead Sea's there, Mount Nebo, see that? That's where Moses, like, hung out and watched the people cross. They crossed the Jordan River right over here. Somewhere around here, up the north where we just came, right up here yonder, right yonder up the river. That's where God stopped up the Jordan River, right here. They crossed right here. They would have come right in front of our bus. Oh, look at this Jericho. There's Jericho right over here, the remains of Jericho, just right over here. And you see the guys, oh, that's so cool. And it becomes so vivid. But what I always bring out is listen, don't miss that. Yeah, the the, the battle's coming and all that's cool, but it's at this place, before they got into the center of God's will, that God was like making it a priority. I just want you to know I'm with you. You're going to need courage and strength for every battle, for every form of opposition that comes your way. What is your go-to? What do you fall back on? The Word of God and the person of Christ. Don't miss that. So they come to Gilgal, which is the place of remembrance. First thing they do, they hadn't done a lot of things they usually did coming through the wilderness. First thing they did was they circumcised their men. Because in the wilderness, for 40 years, they hadn't done that. Why would they do that? It was a symbolic act. Cutting away the flesh was a symbolic act that said, we are done with Egypt which is the type of the flesh. We're done with the flesh. The land cannot be conquered in the flesh. We can't get to the center of God's will in the flesh. Then they kept the Passover. It speaks of fellowship with God, remembering salvation as His doing. They enjoyed fellowship with God. And then war loomed just hours ahead. No room to retreat. The waters of the Jordan had now filled back up. This ominous Jericho and its ramparts stood in front of them. Humanly speaking, Joshua, he's on his own. The the authority is now his. I'm sure you'd love the Moses figure. Moses, what do we do? Moses is dead. So he gets away in chapter 5 before the attack. We'll close with this picture. He walks towards the city of Jericho. And a warrior, a big warrior, appears in front of him. Just and, and he's dressed in his battle array and his sword is unsheathed. And, 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 and man, Joshua, if he was a man of faltering faith, he would have booked back, but he didn't. He didn't book back. He, 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 he calls out and he's like, hey, are you for us or are you for our enemies? This man of faith. <laughs> Which side do you on, bro? The warrior's response don't miss this. Joshua 5:14 through 15. No, no, no. But as commander, capital C, of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, capital H, what does my Lord say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off of your foot for the place that you stand is holy ground. Sound familiar? What is this? We call this a theophany, a Christophany. An appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. The fact that he worshipped this commander. The fact that he called him Lord. Nothing again solidifies our faith more than knowing God is in our midst. God wanted Joshua to know that he was with him. God wanted Joshua to know that he was for him. That's why Jesus is standing there holding an unsheathed sword. That's why he said he was the commander of the army of the Lord's army. The unseen army. The host of heaven. How many of you are glad by the way you're on that team right about now? Yeah. That's good news. Joshua worshipped before this commander. He submitted himself to the commander's authority and to the commander's power. God was with him. God was for him. As Paul would say in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, with that brief introduction, we <laughs> we can now study verses 30 and 31. You guys ready? No, 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 you're not. I know you're hungry. Let's all stand. We'll be eager to get here next week. The enemy does not want us anywhere close to the center of God's will for our life. The half tribe of Manasseh and Reuben and Gad, those tribes, the massive people, they walked across the Jordan River. They saw it. They will fight. They'll take part in the battle of Jericho. They'll see the walls fall down supernaturally. They will have evidence of supernatural work of God in their life. And that lure of the land on the other side of the Jordan was real. That lure to live life outside of the center of God's will was so real that they went back. And You go through the account, and they're like, that didn't work out real well. Because when the enemies attacked... They were outside of the center of God's will. They were the ones that were most vulnerable to the enemy. And they were the first ones that were defeated. Faith today. Persevering faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Persevering faith. Will will lead you to the center of God's will. You'll find yourself surrounded by others who are pursuing and living life in the center of God's will. You just will. You'll find yourself encountering daily the commander of the Lord's army, Christ, Jesus Christ. The one who's with you will be for you. You can have this world. We're just passing through. We're just pilgrims. Remember that, yeah? And the world, apart from Christ, I don't know, it's just not doing real well. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Can we just agree it's jacked up? Let's just all say the world is jacked up. The world is jacked up. Okay, we get that. I went to church today and the pastor made us all say the world was jacked up. It is, it's passing away. The word of God, which we just listened to and should hold tight to, will endure forever. Ran into a guy recently, and he just, you know, I hear, you know, talk to everybody around the community. There's a large portion of our church still watching online. People have kind of, this, this guys I, I just want you to know I'm not coming back till. Uh, You know, you guys are like over the whole face mask thing and the social distancing thing. Over it. Okay. And I, 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 you know, sometimes I just let that go, but this one kind of, yeah, I couldn't let it go. I say, hey, 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 you know, I, I think it would be good, I don't know, just think about this. What is... Whatever your conviction is with the Lord on all of that, whether it's without a mask, with a mask, within six feet, apart six feet, whatever your deal is, it should display the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And maybe your freedom from all of that, you've, God's given you freedom from the fear of all of that and everything, maybe you're like the, the, the quintessential model of like a Christian that like has no fear of any of that. And, and like then the love of God and the grace of God, I didn't say it quite this lengthy, but it's, it's, I'm adding to it a little bit. But I, I did say, you know, it's like the love of God and the grace of God. Why would you not come and help some of us who are dealing with fear work through that? If that's how you see us. I don't know how that settled in on him. But the other thing is this. I'm like, why would you want to miss out what God is doing in your family? Why would you want to miss out on that? I don't want to miss out on that. I don't want a front row seat without it. If the if, the, if God's gonna like start parting waters around here, I want a front row. I want to get wet. <laughs> I don't want to get like the mist. I want to get me wet. I need my wetsuit right now. God's about to do a miracle. All in, front line. God help us. Father, we love you. Thank you for these amazing people that are here on this campus listening online thank you for your bride thank you for the work you're doing for those that are here you've never asked jesus into your life this morning you're like man it's time you've never come to god on his terms but it's time i'm going to lead a very simple prayer very short Simple prayer. Because you might not know what to say to him. But if you are like, I need you, Jesus. I'm not saved. I don't know if my life would end today that I would go to heaven. I don't know that. But I want to know that. Would you pray this prayer? Follow me, but say it to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I, I'm i a sinner. And I realize my sin separates me from you. Say that to him. And I ask you right now to come into my life. I believe that you are God, that you took on flesh. You died in that flesh on Calvary, on that cross. You rose from the dead. And so I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sin, to wash me clean To fill me with your spirit. To fill me with your love. Love for you. Love for your word. Love for the body of Christ. Love for a lost dying world. Lord, help me to discern truth. And if you prayed that very simple prayer, inviting Jesus into your life, you thank him. You thank him. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. It's been an awesome day. We love you. We appreciate you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.